Welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltuna.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Derek with the message. I want to know how many of you, by show of hands, like conflict. Like it. One. That's what I expected. Actually, I expected zero. How many of you are in touch with how conflict works in your life? Meaning, I have some idea of what happens every time I get into conflict. Show of hands. In touch with how many of you know that it's the same every time? Pretty much. So less. Okay, we're getting there. How many of you uh, would like to do conflict differently? Same amount. The rest of you, your hands either don't work or you're sleeping. Um, I want to just sort of like walk you down this path just a little bit. I want you to imagine for a minute whatever your, this is going to be fun, political persuasion is, and as we get closer to this little thing that's going to happen in November, it's only going to be a little blip on the radar in American history, nothing bad will ever happen. Um, I want you to imagine that you have a friend who's really close to you, that you love, that you really feel like you know deeply. And week before the election, they say, man, we all just need to vote for the guy you don't want. Think about how you respond in that. There's a number of things that happen inside of you. Are you aware of what's happening inside of you? Some of you are like, I thought I knew this guy. Turns out he's the devil. Some of you are like, well, I'm just going to prove to him why he's wrong. wrong." And I'm assuming it's a man. I don't know why. It could be a woman. Your favorite woman friend, too. Or some of you feel like you have to change that person to be okay, right? Like, I have to, like, convince them that I'm right, or at least that I'm not wrong. Or I have to convince them that they're wrong. Some of you do like I do a lot of times and go, oh, interesting. And now you know how I show up in conflict. So you're like, oh, wait, that means something, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Um, But are you in touch with what would happen to you internally and how you would react if that happened to you? Anybody not clear how that would happen for you? Cool, we can move on. I don't have to give you another story. What is interesting is that absence of conflict does not make for a good relationship. In other words, conflict is an essential part of any real relationship. I've had conversations with high school students and college students and people who have graduated college and they want to get married and the thing they say is, it's a great relationship. We never have any conflict. And those of you who have been married go, then it's not a real relationship, right? That there's something essential about how conflict works in a relationship that actually should, on the other end, have the result of making the relationship stronger. If you've been married a long time, you know this one. 
That the conflict that you go through together and you come out the other side makes your relationship better, not worse. It actually has the effect of strengthening a relationship. And yet, most of us say, I really wish I could do conflict better. And I want to get into a little bit of why. I either need to shave or move this away from my face. I'll opt for moving the thing. I want to take a look at why it is that conflict is so hard. And I want to talk about the offering that Jesus makes for how to do conflict better. We started this series last week called Finding the Power to Change. And what we're doing is we're looking at Galatians 5, 22, and 23. Uh, and some of you will know this as the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to read this to you again. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And what I want to look at today is how God's answer to the bad ways that we do conflict is gentleness. Gentleness. That's what I want to look at today. The question I'm answering is, how do I deal with conflict? And what I want you to see is the offering that God makes is gentleness. So let's pray, and then we're going to look again at Scripture. So would you pray with me? Lord, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for your presence. I'm so grateful for the way that as we offer ourselves in worship to you, Lord, you move toward us and you meet us. I'm grateful, Lord. And I pray, God, that your continued presence would minister to us as I speak. Lord, I pray that you would continue to shape and amend and, and, and form our hearts today. Come, Lord, have your way. I pray that you would put power on this message, Lord, that your words would be what comes out of my mouth. So fill me, Lord, now with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, we're going to look again, mostly, I said this last week, did you hear that? My Indiana accent came out right there. How many of you heard it? Nobody. Good. Good, good, good. I, I try really, really hard. It's a lot of energy to try to not be the guy that like sounds like he's from Indiana. Hoosier, by the way. Um, this could go all the way off. There's rabbits running everywhere. So because I want you to be people who don't just take verses out of context, like we could just read verses 22 and 23 and pop them out and write and apply them wherever we wanted, right? Like, man, I love this verse, right? You've seen the one, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, you know, like win an NBA championship or, you know, beat the Buffalo Bills or you know, any number of things, right? But that's not the context of the verse. And the reason that we apply it all over the place is because we don't read the Bible in context. I don't want you to be those kinds of people. So we're going to read what's around this verse. And I read it last week, but we're going to read it again. Beginning in verse 16 of Galatians 5, it says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. 
But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But here's our verse. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. What I want to show you today is that the way we are to deal with conflict is gentleness. But what I want you to know, and you probably already know, is that this doesn't come naturally. The way that you show up in conflict doesn't actually happen the way you want to naturally. The, what, what happens for most of us is we respond to conflict out of emotion, childhood formation, and habit. Which is why when I said, are you aware that you do conflict the same way every time, many of you put your hands up. And the rest of you haven't paid attention enough to see that that's what happens. That you show up in conflict largely driven by habit that was produced by childhood formation that creates emotions. That's how you do conflict, most of you. We do conflict in a way that's actually not thought through, so that when we, when we do conflict, when we engage in conflict with somebody, what actually happens is our brain stops thinking, how should I do this? And instead, habit takes over, right? Habit just kicks in, right? Like When you find out that this person says this nonsense about how this is supposed to work in November, you don't think, here's how I want to engage this conversation you just kick in, don't you? When somebody says something you disagree with, when somebody challenges you, when somebody says uh, or, or comes with confrontation to you, you kick in and you don't think about it. It's not deliberate. It's not all the way thought through most of the time. If you're really, really good at it, you go, I'm about to lose my mind. I don't want to do that. And you think about it a little bit. Most of the time we don't do that. Most of the time we, the way we do conflict just comes out of habit. We naturally react out of the habits that are formed. And there are biological reasons why we do this. For example, if you grew up in a home where conflict was dangerous, if you grew up in a home where conflict didn't turn out well for you, where you were taught to be afraid of conflict, likely what happens when you end up in conflict now is you sort of like walk away from it or you avoid it. Or when you're in conflict and you can't get out of it, you sort of just give in to whatever the other person says so that this can be over. And you're not thinking about this. You're not going, man, this is, I'm, I'm intending to just back away. It just happens. Some of you, if you've watched conflict turn into abuse, what happens, or you've been the, someone who experiences this, what happens to you in conflict is you have physical manifestations. Like physically, your body tenses up to prepare. 
Some of you know what I'm talking about. And you don't think about this. You don't think, man, I need to tense up and be ready because I might get hit. It just happens automatically. Others of you grew up in homes where the, the conflict was the thing that we do as a family and it feels safe to yell at each other and we just, you know, we go from zero to 60 in 2.5 seconds, right? And we're like yelling at each other and we're having it out and we're just, and then when we get to the end, we just, it's done. And we love each other. Or we never talk about it again till the next time. And what you learned from growing up in this experience is the way you do conflict, as soon as conflict comes, the way you do conflict is to get at it, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. So conflict comes and it's like, all right, I got to bring my whole 60 mile an hour self to this, right? Nobody's going to get hurt. We're not really afraid of somebody getting hurt. We just got to win and we'll scream and yell. And then when it's done, we're going to be okay with each other. Some of you see that in the way that you do conflict. Some of you are like, wait, I didn't realize that. What I want you to see is the way that most of us deal with conflict, unless we've done very deliberate work, is one end or the other. Most of us have either land on the, I don't want to engage it at all, and I'm going to do everything I can to avoid it. Or we land on the, I'm going to dominate and win. And most of us are like, well, that, that's just how it works, right? This is how it goes. And for, for a lot of times, that works for us. That's why we keep doing it, because it works. But there's a lot of times where it also doesn't work, right? Like, the reason that we want to do conflict differently is because there's a cost for the way that you do it now. Like, for those of you who disengage when conflict happens and you avoid conflict, what happens? Most people think that you're not really invested. People tend to think, I don't know what this person's thinking. They're a wild card. I can't really tell. Makes me nervous. And there's distance in your relationships when you do that. On the other side, for those of you who fight it out and you get right at it, people are like, man, at least I never have to wonder what they're thinking. Right? But it costs you a lot in relationships because people tend to think you're a bully. They really don't want much to do with you because if they're on the other side of a conflict, it hurts them. Do you see this? Just think about it for a minute. Like, think about the relationships that you've had where you've had conflict. Some of you are like, that was like 20 minutes ago, Derek. But think about it. If you think about the relationships over your life, the way that you have done conflict has a pattern. And it's not one that you thought through and did on purpose. And that's the thing that comes with so much cost. And what I think is true for most of us is that we wish we could come up with a naturally better solution, don't we? Don't you get on the other side of a conflict and it didn't go the way that you wanted it to go and go, man, why do I always do that? I mean, maybe I'm the only one, but I have that thought daily. Why did I do that? Why didn't I say what was actually on my mind? Why is it that I sort of withheld that and I just didn't tell them what I was actually thinking? And then you go away, if you're like me, you go away from the conversation wishing you had said some things and you carry all this emotional baggage of wounds that haven't been healed and things that you haven't said and that's exhausting and you end up burning out. 
exhausted. Have I touched everybody yet? Have we got, are we there? We're pretty close. You see this in your life and you wish. The reason that you put your hand up when I said, how many of you wish you could do conflict different is because you have seen the results of this way of doing things. And maybe you couldn't put your finger on why it works out that way, but I've seen it happen in my life so many times, I wish I could do it differently. What we want in conflict is the ability to actually say what's appropriate and engage such that on the other side, we get what we thought was important in relationship, namely that conflict makes this stronger. But it doesn't always play out that way. We want something that's measured, something in between avoidance and domination. And what Scripture offers us is gentleness. Gentleness. This is the God-given way to engage conflict. The Greek word here in Galatians is praotes. Isn't that fun? You can, see, you can take that home. That's like the one thing you can remember from this. Praotes. It's a fun word. But what it usually gets translated as is gentleness or meekness. Sometimes it gets translated as humility. And probably what you're thinking right now is how does gentleness, meekness, and humility help us do conflict well? Some of you are like, well, I can kind of see the connection. The reason that we have a hard time seeing the connection is because we don't actually know what this means. We think of meekness. How many of you think of it this way? Meekness is like, it's the little like person that doesn't ever say anything and they're kind of powerless and they just shy away from everyone and... You know, they come in and out and you don't really see them. They don't ever like make us think. They never have an issue. They never say anything. And they just sort of like, you know, the little church mouse. Not that we have mice here. The little, do you know what I mean? This is what we think of when we think of meekness. Is somebody who's basically powerless and just stays away from everybody. But that's not what the Bible describes and that's not what this word means. What this word means, the word translated here as meekness and as gentleness, means having the ability to make every available response and the character to choose the appropriate one. That's meekness. It's power under control is meekness. It's the ability in any case to show up with all of the options. I can come full force at you or I can back away from you and I have the power to do anything in between and I have the character formation that I can show up with the right one at the right time. This is gentleness. Aristotle, you guys know this name? How many of you were forced to read Aristotle in high school? Handful of you. Aristotle was a Greek philosopher like 350 years before Jesus. Aristotle was talking about virtues. Virtues are these things that hopefully people can become, right? And so Aristotle's talking about virtues and talking about this word preotes. And he said it's somewhere in the middle of all-out anger for no good reason and no anger ever. Somewhere in the middle is preotes, it's gentleness, is somewhere in the middle. Gentleness in Scripture involves having the power to make any 
possible response and the control to make the one that fits the circumstances in the measure that's appropriate. And what that means is that gentleness requires wisdom. Now, some of you are trying to skip ahead and you're going, okay, trying to come up with the middle of the road, you know, the, the expression that's appropriate. And some of you are trying to figure this out and going, this is going to be really, really hard. Right? Like, think about that for a minute. You naturally either go all out. I flipped them around. You go no emotion, no, no conflict, no nothing. We avoid conflict at all costs, naturally. Or we go all out and we let everybody have it in conflict. Naturally, Right? Without thought, conflict happens, trigger, emotion, off we go. This is how it works. And now, what I'm saying is the biblical invitation is to be able to make a measured response in the middle. Some of you are going, I don't know how I could ever do that. Because it seems like when conflict happens, I get triggered and I just go right to one or the other. How do I interrupt that? and actually land at gentleness. Let me say this, and I'm gonna say it twice because I want you to get it. The belief that you hold about what's actually true is why you react the way you do. The belief that you hold that drives your natural response to conflict is what you actually believe to be true. Which means the belief that you hold that drives the way you naturally react in conflict is that this is the reaction that it requires for me to be safe. Last week, what I told you is, it doesn't matter what you say you believe, what you actually believe inside of you is what drives your actions. Do you see why this is hard? Because you may say, I want to show up in conflict in a gentleness kind of way, but there's a deep-rooted belief that I have to protect myself. And so I'm either gonna disengage from conflict or I'm gonna run everybody over. Because what you believe inside is that you have to protect yourself. You don't think about this. You're not going, wait, 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 hold on, i got to protect myself. What do I do when I need to protect myself? You just act. And what you act out of is what you actually believe. And what I said last week is the only way that your actions change long-term is if the belief that drives them actually changes. Do you see the problem here? I would bet there are many in this room who have verbally confessed faith in Jesus. And what you have said verbally is, I trust Jesus to protect me. I trust that Jesus has set me free from the need to protect myself. And yet when you're squeezed in conflict, what comes out is a different belief. Do you see the problem? 
What's true is that the thing that you act out of is more truly the belief that you hold than the thing that you have said. Is that depressing? Let me just sort of make it really personal to myself. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at gentleness. 21 years ago, I came to the end of myself. I said, Jesus, if you're real, you have to rescue me because I have made a mess of my life. And I surrender everything of my life to you. I said that. And in that moment, Jesus met me by the power of the Holy Spirit. It was a transformative thing. But the belief that still holds when conflict arises is something else. And so for 21 years, I have been living into trying to make the belief that drives my actions match the confession that I made with my mouth. And what I believe is true is that for most of us, the habit of our souls is not yet formed by gentleness. The belief that we have in the core of our being is still very much, I have to protect myself. Measure that. Is that true for you? That when you're squeezed in conflict, is gentleness what comes out? Is a measured response that comes from wisdom what comes out? I mean, maybe you all are further along in this than I am. I'm not like I used to be. It's more measured. But in 21 years, what I discover is that when conflict arises, my natural tendency still is to protect myself. Still. Even though I sing and I worship and I praise God and I say, you are my protector. You are a strong tower. You are a wall that protects me. But what comes out is a different belief. When I get squeezed in conflict, can I just be really honest with you guys? Is that okay? You can put your hand up if that's not okay. When I get squeezed in conflict, what happens inside of me is I go, That's what happens in me. This is not safe. I gotta get away from this. And if I can't get away, I at least gotta look away. Maybe it'll go away. Maybe if I ignore it and I pretend like it's not real, maybe it'll stop. And I stand here on a regular basis and I tell you, trust Jesus because he will protect you. What's true is I am more today trusting that Jesus will protect me than I've ever been. And yet the reaction in my soul is still one that says I need to protect myself. Is that true for you?
See, the reason we don't do conflict well is because we don't have a belief at the core of our souls that we don't have to protect ourselves. That when Jesus came, he saw that we were stuck to false belief. He saw we were stuck to self-protection. He saw we were stuck to sin and just the ways that we keep ourselves protected and isolated from other people. He saw that we were stuck. And on the cross, he dealt with the things that hold us. The power of the cross is that when Jesus died, he took on all of the things that we protect ourselves with. All of the ways that we feel like we need to keep everyone else out and all the ways that we need to protect and and, and make sure that we're okay. And he dealt with the powers and the principalities that hold us such that we actually can be set free to live into the reality that he invites us to. Which is that we can have Jesus as our king and we can trust that this king protects us, that he saves us, that he's more than enough, that he rescues us. But here's what's true. It doesn't happen in a moment. I said the words 21 years ago. Do you know how many times in the last 21 years I've said the same words again? I can't even count them. Because what's true is my conversion to Jesus as my king has, is ongoing. That every single day I discover again that I need to surrender everything to Jesus again. And guess what? When I get up tomorrow, I'm going to sit down in my office and have my quiet time. And guess what's going to happen? I'm going to surrender again. I wonder if that's true for you. That as you think about how you do conflict and the ways that you get stuck over and over and over and over, reveal that you too, again, need to surrender to Jesus. Because here's what's real. There's nothing that you can believe. If you, if you were to say that I be- want to change that belief, let's pretend like we don't want to follow Jesus. We would just want to have better conflict. There's nothing that you can put at the core of your being, belief-wise, that will change you long-term in such a way that gentleness is what comes out. The only thing that you can build that on is that God loves you. That's it. Nothing else will make it so that you can show up consistently in gentleness. The only thing is that unequivocally, God loves you. doesn't matter what you did or didn't do. God's love for you is unfailing. Which means when you blow up or when you don't show up, God's love for you doesn't change. And to the degree that you can anchor your soul on that belief is the degree that you can begin to walk with measured response. It's the degree to which you can actually show up in gentleness. Here's the thing, you have to surrender. 
and you surrender again and again and again and again. But God doesn't just expect you to say, well, I surrender. He's better than that. He gives you his spirit. He fills you. When you surrender to him, he fills you with his spirit. And here's what it says. Paul says this, that when you walk in step with the spirit that he gives you, when you cooperate with the steps that he gives you to cooperate with, what happens? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness come out. You see, the only way you're going to grow in gentleness, the only way you're going to be able to have a more measured response is if increasingly the Spirit of God directs your steps from inside out and changes you. It's the only way it works. I know of no other thing you can build your life on that will make you more and more gentle. But God doesn't stop there. But wait, there's more. Not only does he save you when you surrender, not only does he give you his spirit to shape you, he knows that this is process. I'm 21 years into this process. There are some of you who are further into this process, some of you who are not as far. He knows that this is a process that's going to require practice. So he gives you a community of people that you can practice with. And some of you are like, ah, oh, you're talking about church again. Yes, I'm talking about church. He gives you this community, this family to practice with. Let me tell you why it matters that you have this community to practice with. As you take steps toward gentleness and you try to give a measured response whenever you get into conflict, if you do this at your job, eventually you will get fired because you will be bad at it. If you do this in your family, they have to accept you, theoretically. But you're going to offend some people. If you do this in your neighborhood gathering, you're not going to be good at this for a while. And yet, God gives us this community that's founded on grace, where everyone in here doesn't really have any business being here, but that God invites us by grace and so when you are bad at it, guess what? We have grace for you. The way you become someone who can show up in gentleness is that you participate with the family that God has given you and you cooperate with the steps of the Spirit that over time what gets formed in you is this ability to show up in gentleness to show up with measured response, with wisdom from a formed character. That's why you need this body of people. And if we are not your cup of tea, you need a body of people that's based on grace to live this life with. That's why I'm sure there are, those of you watching online are comfortable but I want you to be here because you can't do this from your living room. You actually have to get close to people and you have to mess up and you have to go, whoa, that was a little too, came too hard that time, right? 
And over time, this community of grace helps you discover how it is that I can cooperate with Jesus. Last thing I'll say. It doesn't work as well in this big room. How many of you know everybody in this room? Look around, like honestly, how many of you know everyone in this room? Let the record show that no hands went up. You need a place where people know you and you know people. What that means, the way that we do this is life groups and service teams. Those tables back there are not there by accident. We believe if you want to be the kind of person who can do conflict well, you need to be in a small enough community of people where they know you and you know them. One of the beautiful things, my, our, our staff here works sort of like a, a life group. And what I have learned about the people on our staff here, I feel like half the times our staff meeting, the first half ends up being like, making sure everybody's okay. And what I have learned about the staff that works in this church is the ways that they're trying to grow and to cooperate with the Spirit's work in their lives. And so when they say something to me, I'm like, ooh, ooh, that wasn't quite it. I know them, and they know me, and I have grace. The more beautiful thing is that they have grace for me. I don't know how that works. I have no idea how they keep having, I mean, how, I don't know how many times you have to give me grace, but do you see this at work? If you want to be somebody who does conflict well, the way forward is surrender to Jesus, be filled with the Spirit, and practice in a community of grace. Thank you again for choosing the Vineyard Altoona podcast. We're so excited to see how God will release his kingdom in and through you today for the glory of Jesus Christ. With this, be blessed, and we'll see you next time.